We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stéphane Leco. You can find me on Twitter at StéphaneLeco, and I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the Travis May. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. I know a lot of y'all are new here, so real quick, this podcast kind of takes you from the journey of new recruits in the college ranks all the way through them getting into the hall of fame. We love to call, uh, we love to talk about everything um, from beginning to end with all the breaks in between. We like getting into fantasy football because this is a road of his podcast. Travis, we just got done watching the Kansas city game. Um, there was a lot of hype this week. We're talking about some of the, some of the rookies and, and what they did last week. We were excited uh, about a Kansas City running back, and uh, how do you feel now? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, not super. Also, also, about... hi, welcome. Yeah, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just diving in. Don't mess around. I mean, I, I don't necessarily enjoy the first two or three minutes of podcast for there's the, the the banter back and forth and people that still think news and notes uh, need to be a thing and all that. So yeah, yeah everyone read them yeah, four hours just, ago on Twitter. <laughs> Right. Just jump right in because we're talking rookies. Uh, yep. I mean, this show is basically about the transition from college to pro. I mean, that's that's what we do with Debbie and Dynasty and all this stuff. So rookies jumping in right away. No quarterbacks matter this week. Don't need to mess with that. So <laughs> yeah. uh, there are currently zero quarterbacks in this class. But <laughs> I love um, that you were like, we'll start off. We can go position by position. We can yeah. start off with quarterbacks. Oh, we're done. <laughs> oh, and the quarterback discussion is done because there was not a single touch opportunity, anything for any quarterback that is a rookie in this class. Hooray. Uh, but yeah, so you mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, Kansas City Chief. Uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, I guess everyone will already have known that he only had two touches uh, on the Thursday night matchup against the the Chargers after actually having, I guess, 12 touches and uh, in his first game for the Chiefs. And yeah, last week, this week, whatever you want to call it, that was uh, that was your that was your cell window because when a, a seventh round ish, I think it was a seventh round pick for the Chiefs uh, has or for anyone for that matter. Uh, has a, a decent week or a decent window of production, uh, you sell them right away uh, for an automatic profit because but Mr. Wait a second, says Travis. not going to really give us a bunch of long-term production. But what about Chris Carson? He was a seventh-round pick. Yep, and he's retired. And that's cool. <laughs> okay. that and there's going to Right. But it's just it, the, the safer bet to always win on your initial investment, um, even if you miss out on something like that, is to just cash in and turn your fourth round rookie pick into a future second round rookie pick immediately. And that's, uh, that's the kind of deal I was seeing for Pacheco just this week. So bravo to all of you who did that because that was the correct move. Yeah. I, uh, I was never sold on him in particular this, this off season. He got a lot of buzz, a couple of guys that we'll be talking about. Um, I got some buzz and I just wasn't, I wasn't biting. I, I and, and I'm, probably going to be wrong on some of them but uh so far through one week and one game um it was pretty smart of uh, me not to be buying all this late buzz on these late late round running backs that were getting a little bit of hype out of camp 
Yeah, I mean, and we always want to get excited about rookies, especially if like we happen to have drafted them later <laughs> in our rookie drafts, and we're like, man, you know, it's just that uh, this is the ownership bias. Yeah. It's the you know what what we already have is now shinier because we have it, <laughs> and so yes. um, my precious hard to let that go. Yes, exactly. Oh, have um, you been watching? Have you been watching the Lord of the Rings? That they was the Rings like, of Power. I've not, yeah. but I'm going to. I'm going uh, okay, to, so. I just finished. I just caught up. Um, so nice. Episode four drops tomorrow night. This is not. Well, hey, we'll, we we'll have that. We'll have that podcast <laughs> later. <then. laughs> yeah, but but yeah, man. I, I this rookie um, quarterback class. Uh, we kind of knew, given the draft capital invest, investment, it was going to be disappointing. Uh, even though you know, I still believe long into long term, a few of those guys will have an opportunity. And uh, the running back class, again, we knew uh, was rather shallow this year as well. Um, and we've known that for years now. But it really, really looks shallow at this point early on. I know it's still super early, only through one week and one game additionally uh, of action uh, as of this recording. But uh, we basically correctly identified this class as a breeze or bust kind of class, even, you know, coming into the beginning of the spring and it is kind of looking that way. I mean, I, I definitely like Rashad white still, uh, but man, outside of Brees Hall, uh, week one was pretty gross. And so let's talk about the positive first because Brees Hall um, actually, even though the jets threw the ball 59 times to running it just 17 times in their, <laughs> in their game, which is an absurd ratio. Um, Brees Hall actually had plenty of those targets and went through the air. He actually had 16 total opportunities. That is his rush attempts and targets, 12 total touches, uh, really, really positive signs that he's going to work his way into a real role right away. I mean, 10 targets in your first NFL game as a running back. So like his re receiving target market share, like 17% of the targets on the team went in the direction of Brees Hall and he had 38 receiving yards, rushing yards. 23 total. I mean, it's not great killer totals, um, but he's playing for the Jets and it's his first game. Um, so, well, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Because to me, it's, it immediately says he is pushing Michael, Michael Carter for this job now. I, I think he's going to be the guy by midseason. I was surprised to hear people uh, surprised at how much work Michael Carter got. And to me, I thought we just kind of knew that Michael Carter was going to get a lot of work early and Brees Hall will gain more and more as he gets more experience. So I thought this was super encouraging. And while people might be like, yeah, Travis, we get it. It's because of the game script. It's like, yeah, but it's the Jets. So this game script is likely going to be something that follows them around all year. Uh, they're, they're not going to be playing from a super comfortable. We can run the ball every down because we're up by 24. <laughs> they're likely going to be in this situation. So I, I think it's really positive for Brees Hall that he was um, utilized so much um, through the air. Again, 10 targets, I mean, uh, from the running back position, that's amazing. From any position, it's amazing. But <laughs> I think, yeah. uh, I mean, it might be his high mark for a while, but, uh, but I think it points to something that is, uh, is, is likely sustainably predictable on a week-to-week -week basis. Yeah, and if he is in line or at all um sets have like 15 16 opportunities every single week that's that's solid uh that's not going to you know win you your week most of the time but in a weaker class at the running back position um a, a guy that's going to be have that kind of workload and have that percentage of his team's um overall opportunities that's that's a huge win uh i know we want everybody to just hit the ground running and be the next Najee, Najee harris from last year but that just doesn't always happen but Brees Hall, again, I mean, when he boasts back-to-back 1,700-yard from scrimmage seasons and, uh, you know, basically have every production score hit uh, that we like to see at Rotoviz, um, yeah, we're going to be really excited about him as a prospect. And he is, again, still very much so, regardless of any format that you play in, the 1.01 top rookie in this class. And it's not really close. I mean, I, I, I want to get excited about the wide receivers, and we'll get to that point. But uh, for instant production and, and to be a difference maker, especially by midseason uh, and being the only running back that I trust long term, that, 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 that just there's so much added value in having selected Brees over just about any other player. 
Um, and we can, you know, we can debate that, I guess, if you really just say, no, this, this wide receiver is going to be the guy or whatever, that's fine. But I, I'm, I'm fine going with the uh, more scarce option in the running back. So wh- I was pretty impressed with Seattle's offensive line uh, against Denver, which Denver has a, a, a good front, a good, um, a very good defense. And they were able to generate a lot of space. So I'm curious, Ken Walker is set to come back uh, this upcoming week um, against San Francisco. Do you think Ken Walker, because honestly, let's, let's, let's be real here. If anyone, um, if, if, if any contestant could be put up against Brees Hall, Ken Walker probably has um, the best shot at it, at least early. So do you think there's a chance that in a couple of weeks you're like, okay, actually there's, this is a two back class. Or is that kind of off the table for you? It, it could be. Um, I'm not as as. <laughs> you definitely as don't. Wouldn't put money on it. It doesn't sound like by that response. I, I wouldn't. Um, and I honestly, I it's funny because I, I don't know. We, we kind of tossed Rashad Penny out the window a couple of years ago, um, but really, if we look at how successful he was down the stretch last year, and uh, how how much he was used this past week. I think he had 14 touches. Like I don't think anybody, uh, any other run, running back had more than like two <laughs> in that backfield this, this past week uh, in, in their first game. And maybe that was just because Kenneth Walker wasn't there, wasn't healthy, but I would bet that Penny holds oh, that, yeah. um, that, that job more so than I would Michael, Michael Carter, like versus Brees Hall uh, and right, Rashad Penny right. versus Kenneth Walker. So, I mean, I like, I like both of them, but I would definitely bet on Brees to have a larger share faster given his competition and his talent level. Uh, and Kenneth Walker, I, I think, just lags behind. And I'm not sure how, how active he will be in the receiving game. I mean, we love to see uh, that production in college. It didn't really happen. Happen. I think he can catch passes, but I'm not sure he's going to be utilized in that way. So I, I would much rather go with the upside of Brees. I think even if... Kenneth Walker gets plugged in. It's very unlikely that he is like super high upside uh, at any point until maybe way later in the year. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what to think about Seattle. I mean, yeah, Travis Homer had one carry Geno Smith had a few, um, but yeah, it was all, all penny. And I don't think that they're just going to hand it all over to, can like you like you were suggesting so i do think it, it is pretty much going to be Brees, uh Brees or bust uh, another guy i wanted to talk a, a little bit about because he was getting a, a lot of heat coming out of um camp and uh after cuts were made and, and he was kind of the only guy standing and that's that's damian pierce and he he also had 12 touches uh this week um, 11 rush attempts. T- tell me a little bit about Damian Pierce. Was this, are you walking away from week one with a, a positive view of him or kind of what you expected or are you disappointed? Well, I mean, we kind of talked about this two weeks ago, uh, really just about this being a 100% an, an opportunity play because the talent and upside wasn't there in college. Um, and he wasn't, I mean, he was okay um, on the sample that he was you know, asked to rush. Uh, but we kind of knew that he went in the draft where he did for a reason. Uh, we wanted a bunch of other guys to land in the spot in which he did. And so uh, th- there was good reason to think, man, this is a huge opportunity for Damian Pierce, man. He, he could really cash in here. And um, truth, truthfully, he had 12 touches, you know, overall 12 touches which is the exact same number as, you know, as Isaiah Pacheco and, and Brees Hall in week one, but he just disappointed ridiculously. So uh, on those 12 touches, uh, so not, not great. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and really I, I wanted him to see, well, I wanted to see him get more uh, passing work also didn't happen. Uh, so maybe things change for him. Uh, maybe he develops and grows into that ro- role and can really take advantage of the opportunity or, uh, he is exactly who we thought he was uh, in college, and he is exactly who we thought he was coming into the spring. And he is a round four running back that is just good enough to be a replacement level talent. Um, that's that's kind of what we thought he was. So I'm not yeah. really surprised. I'm disappointed because I, I thought the opportunity was greater than that. But but hey, here we are. That's that's Damian Pierce. 
the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, and that is <laughs> definitely true for your love with Rashad White. Some things will well, never die. <laughs> yeah, that will never die. Um, let's talk about him, though. He, he again, didn't have a, a huge PPR performance or anything like that. But he did uh, have eight touches on the week. Um, mm-hmm. Now we have some more injuries on from the skill position players in Tampa Bay. Do you think Rashad White sees an increase in his role, or maybe you maybe you think he doesn't need an increase? Eight touches is is just fine, given that most of them will be uh, through the air. Um, I think it's really tough to roll out Rashad White any given week in your lineup just yet. But I think he could work his way into uh, more of a receiving role, as that that was his specialty at times um, in college and and showed he could do that. And uh, was one of the best overall talents in this class. And I mean, when it came down to it, I was selecting him in in, in the like running back two slot. I mean, I I was like, fine, just basically just going for it because I was tired of Fortin around with making him my running back too. And really, I think he's long-term the second most productive running back in this class behind only Brees Hall. Uh, it's not going to happen this year. It's going to look like somebody else, if, if not multiple running backs, edge him out uh, this year, uh, even beyond, behind Brees Hall. Uh, Ken Walker probably does. Damian Pierce probably does. Uh, maybe Pacheco does. But uh, I think still long-term, Rashad White adds some receiving value this year. And uh, he's he's super valuable just because if Fournette misses any time, he probably just slots in as the feature back there. So uh, could be a huge, huge uh, value to your roster at some point this year. And Fournette is actually, you know, he's, he's getting up there in age, you know, about 28 years old at this point already. So um, he's not going to be around for a very long time. He's probably got this year and maybe next year. Um, he, they, they could cut bait with him. It's not like a, an absolute dead in the water. You can't cut this kind of contract situation for Fortnite next year. Uh, so we'll see, but, um, we might have to wait for a feature opportunity until year three, which is frustrating. But, um, I think if he does enough this year, the coaching staff really, really loves him. And even in post game this past week, we're really talking to him up. I think, uh, it was left with that basically said, Hey, by the way, Rashad white did absolutely nothing wrong on all oh, any of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that fantastic. Was, yeah, so good words from the coaching staff. Um, I love the talent. He got the capital. He had the athleticism. He had the production we love to see. So I think it's just a matter of time with Rashad White, even though he had fewer touches than the guy that I just kind of was much harsher on in Damian Pierce. I think long-term, his outlook is still uh, very much better than Damian Pierce. Yeah, that's 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 good. That's I mean that's what I expected to hear from you, but it's still good to hear it from you. Uh, I mean, it does. I don't actually say anything negative about Rashad White ever. I'm not. It's not. It's not but I happen. don't know. I don't know if we got the official number two running back from the class long term on the podcast. I'd seen you tweet okay. about it. Very We've good. talked about it. Too. But Long-term. there we go. Rashad yes. White. That's here. That's official. You heard it here, probably not first, but that's how I felt for a long time. And that's how I invested in him for a very long time. I had him on like all my college to Canton rosters one or two years ago. So yeah, so it's not, it's not a new thought here. I just, it's hard to really go all in and really just believe in your takes, I guess, sometimes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it's just the imposter syndrome. It's like, am I really, am I, am I that, is it, am I that crazy? Do I really think that? And doesn't matter if I think, if, but yeah, I'm a believer long-term Rashad White. I love it. And uh, no, I think it's important because I think a lot of people have takes and you like sit in a draft with them and like, wait a second, you said that that guy was your number two and you just took, you just took Ken Walker. What are you doing? So um, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to move down a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit of hope and a prayer uh, surrounding Jalen Warren. Um, maybe having an opportunity, not that anyone's rooting for Najee Harris to, to miss time, other than all the people that have Jalen Warren. I don't care what you say, they're hoping Najee's not back, unless they have him too. Um, but it does look like Najee is going to play. So uh, yeah. is Jalen Warren worth rostering? Are you thinking about handcuffing him? I have to be a freaking deep league, I imagine, for you to be handcuffing Jalen Warren. Uh, but I could be wrong. So talk to me a little bit about him. I, I know nothing of Jalen Warren, if I'm honest with you. Well, he was a one-hit wonder uh, at Oklahoma State. Just kind of showed up and took over the backfield. We thought it was perhaps going to be Dominic Richardson uh, that was going to be the guy. And it is Dominic Richardson this year for Oklahoma State. 
But uh, Jalen Warren uh, had a killer season. Uh, he's not a receiving threat whatsoever. He's a complete jag. Uh, so, yeah, in, in a deeper league, great. Roster somebody that might give you one or two weeks a year that's useful. But uh, I would imagine he's not even on the team next year. So um, he's just a complete filler. Like, hey, we need a body back here that can take some hits and, uh, you know, be a, you know less than a complete embarrassment if we need him to be in there in replacement for Najee Harris. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really interested or uh, believing in him long term. He was a uh, well, he was a complete lack of a priority at, on draft day on draft day for a reason. Yeah, I mean that's uh, <laughs> straight to the point there. Uh, Probably someone mean, who, but it's, no, it is what it is. I think it's good because I think people, I mean, we probably should have told people this before they blew their fab on him. Uh, I hate it when people say that. It's so dirty sounding. And I just said it is. It's an Um, odd way to (laughs) phrase something. Yes, it is. But I mean, I mean, we can just go through the other disappointments because there were many. James. Yeah, there was, that's the one I wanted to bring up. Mr. Hype Train. He's got the bloodlines. Three snaps. (laughs) And you know, uh, I wanted James Cook to be what Rashad White is. So <laughs> yeah, but you know it's funny. Like it's crazy. Like you know, you know when a player is not that at all in college, and we assume they're going to be in the pros. It's really, really interesting. You know? Yeah. It's like it's like we should yeah. learn yeah. from our mistakes and <laughs> and learn I from s- historical. I hit still want to believe. I still want to believe. But yeah, only three snaps for James Cook. Uh, definitely. Uh, disappointing and um I, I mean you can't you know i mean this is me speaking if i drafted him i'm not dropping him yet i'm gonna wait a couple no. of weeks to see oh no no i mean it's just like regardless of the format that you drafted it i mean it's obviously complete waste this year anyway um that's okay though i mean like i i get the upside like oh his brother's Davin cook oh he played for georgia Oh, he's he he had those electric plays in those three games that I watched. He last was fall. drafted fairly early. That was I know, I know, and that's and that's the thing. Like, there's no way that he actually deserved to be drafted that that early. Like, I know we joked about like on draft day, it's like, oh, James Cook running back one, but like it's it was a joke because we knew who he was for like four years, and he he didn't do anything for like three plus years, and then he was finally halfway productive in his final year on the most stacked team of all time. Um, and that made him look better. Uh, and NFL teams got suckered in and it happens every single year. Uh, you know, he could still be productive, but man, uh, it's looking like we faded him early in the Debbie fantasy football community for good reason. Yeah. I, I did think Zach Moss looks pretty good out there. I, I, I will say, um, but Devin Singletary led um, all running backs um, with, uh, let me see, 59% of the snap. That's according to the player usage app on Rotoviz, which again, another one of the tools that we use frequently because it's very useful information this time of year when you're trying to get an edge. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. But I, mean, uh, you, I interrupted you um, a, a, a around James Cook. You were going to go through some of the other disappointments. <laughs> I mean, there's not very. This many is other usually ones where starts. someone. This is usually where someone calls my name. <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, it's just like like TDP and Ty Davis Price. Uh, it'd be nice for him to do something, and I don't think he's going to. I, Isaiah Spiller, man, like do something, like show up, get a snap. Uh, but uh, that's just not really happening yet. Yeah. So very very disappointing to uh, see him not getting work. Uh, the other ones. I don't think we're really expecting much from Tyler Algier. We wanted him to be, uh, be something too, but he was a healthy scratch. Uh, and Cordell Patterson, the, the, the most efficient running back slash wide receiver. Can, can we just get him a different number, please? It's very upsetting to see an 84 in the backfield. Worse. Let's like just like make it 93, like, three. like just <laughs> yeah. something in the fifties yeah. and put him in the backfield. <laughs> oh, but would, anyway. I would not do well with that. No. But yeah, it's just yeah. Can that, I, that's a lot did, to see him. Like, what if he had just converted positions like seven or eight years ago? Oh he man, could be like a Hall of Famer at the running back position. <laughs> yeah. Um. Real quick, how do you feel about the new number rule in the NFL? Like Gerald Everett rocking number seven today, just dominating fools. I felt like I was watching college football. I loved it. Oh, it's it's perfect. 
Like anybody that doesn't like that is an old person or wrong. Like, <laughs> like both. Like, I, yeah. like, and you know what? actually, Tom Brady was one of those people complaining about that initially. That's right. Like, like, oh, I can't make the wrong. I can't make the right reads or calls. Like, dude, the entirety of people who are half your age in college football do it every single week. It's not hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the mics. You know, seven instead of fifty-seven. I'm I'm bad at football now. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, he he he's a grumpy old man for sure. Um, yes. Yeah, I don't know if there's many other names to go over from the running back position. So um, nope. garbage. How about we how about we hit a hit a break and then on the other side we can uh, jump into the wide receivers and tight ends. Lots more to talk about there because there's more than one to be excited about this year. <laughs> awesome. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. And we're back. We're ready to talk some wide receivers. Uh, a lot more excitement uh, from this position than running back, as you mentioned, uh, Travis. Where do you want to start? You don't necessarily have to start with the dude with the most targets or touches or anything like that. But who is a dude um, that kind of made a statement in the positive uh, to you this this last week? Well, obviously, obviously the wide receiver one, the, the no-brainer wide receiver one. One in the 2022 class, and that is Western Illinois' finest, Dennis Houston with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh my, God. oh my goodness, dude! The Cowboys' wide receiver core is such a mess, and now Dax hurt and Ezekiel Ol Ezekiel Oliot Oliot <laughs> is that his name? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I still think he he could be fine, and when Dak is healthy, cool. But man, it really looks odd, like. Noah Brown is the wide receiver too for the Cowboys had like nine targets, but Dennis Houston, uh, an FCS project wide receiver, like fifth year guy that did nothing until last year, basically. Um, that's your wide receiver three. Uh, so that's just really odd, but bravo Dennis Houston being a nothing in college and uh, somehow making it onto the Dallas Cowboys roster. And in your first week of action, getting six targets. I mean, he only brought in two of them, but, but six targets. And, and your he, first action from Western Illinois. That's that is that is worth celebrating right there. Fifty-seven percent snap. Snap. That's crazy. Uh, per, yeah, Western Illinois finest. Like that's that's just <laughs> that's amazing. Like that does not yeah. happen too often. Where you you just see an out of nowhere FCS guy. I mean, like it was one thing for Cooper Cup to he actually got draft capital. You know, he got some capital. He was an FCS guy, whatever. But Dennis Houston didn't get capital either like so just he, he had to fight through literally every variable variable that is a brick wall to nfl success and he got six targets in his first game so that's pretty cool like even though the Cowboys, more snaps than tony pollard yeah uh that's that's <laughs> pretty incredible that's a fun stat <laughs> no, that would have been yeah i wish that, oh that's I the odds would have been on that prop bet. a lot uh, you know, <laughs> dennis houston out snaps tony pollard week one not no. sure everyone would have had that on their bingo court. 
bingo card. No. But I, I'm not really believing in him. I just I joked about him being the wide receiver. He's not my wide receiver one. You know, you know, you know this. But it was just this. cool because you know to see see somebody like that given the opportunity. Uh, it's just really awesome. So bravo to him. But uh, the the real wide receiver one, according to uh, Nashville uh, residents, uh, is not Traylon Burks. It's it's Kyle Phillips, obviously. So <laughs> Kyle Phillips, another guy. Bravo to him because like he did not get the requisite capital that we like to see either. Uh, he had you know he's kind of the slot build body type or whatever. Um, had a crucial brutal muff punt that basically blew the game for the Titans, but he also had the catch that almost got them within field goal range to win the game when it really mattered, and had ten opportunities in his first game. Ten targets as a rookie 10 targets like there was only one other rookie who had 10 targets and that was Brees Hall who we've already talked about so playing for the Titans getting 10 targets that's a big deal Uh, I was uh, very apprehensive with him because the Titans always pump up like this small grinder guy that you know hey be really cool if we made the roster kind of wide receiver Uh, every single year like there's like Khalif Raymond you meant Yeah, you mentioned that at the on draft night, you were like, "Here we go again." Like this is going to be that guy, Um, and but he really stepped up throughout camp and was one of the best players throughout. And he's out targeting the first round pick. So bravo, man! I I don't think he's going to see this many targets most weeks, but he could actually present some flex viability for fantasy purposes. Uh, And that doesn't happen very often with Titans receivers in general. Uh, I mean, like AJ Brown is like the lone exception in the past decade. Uh, but really, I mean, I like Phillips and Burks both could, especially if, um, if Ryan Tannehill decides to start acting like he did two years ago and he actually had a decent game this week, but since 16 total targets, six to Traylon Burks, 10 to Kyle Phillips, really trusting his rookies right out the gate. So that's pretty cool to see as a, as both a Titans fan and just rooting for the, again, the guy who did not have all the expectations on him. Uh, and, and we're going to get to some wide receivers who had some. We're not just going to talk about Dennis Houston and Kyle Phillips. But <laughs> I just <laughs> those guys because we weren't expecting that crazy outcome in, in production and, and snap share. But uh, to have 29% of the targets going to Kyle Phillips in week one, that was the highest target share of any rookie uh, through week one. So that's cool. I, I, I don't think it sticks. Probably drops into the teens like most rookies typically see, but very awesome, very impressed in week one performance from Kyle Phillips. But his teammate, Traylon Burks, what are you doing with him? Because I think the team schemes him open, finds ways to get him the ball. That was the case even in like the final preseason action for him. They were just finding ways to just get him open. They want him to succeed. He had six targets, only three catches, but six targets nonetheless. Um, so I, I, he was like the runaway wide receiver one before the NFL combine happened. Uh, he he kind of dropped down a little bit. Draft day had all the hype. He's supposed to replace AJ Brown. Where is he ranking right now for you among the, the hyped rookie wide receivers? I mean, he hasn't moved at all. Um, I actually kind of would love to see a similar performance so that I can buy a moderately low on him. Of course, it's people always talk about buying low. It's really hard with rookies because people, like you said, like we invested our rookie pick in them. Like we want to see them succeed. So we tend to usually hold on too long. Um, the one concerning thing, and I know we keep talking about um, snap percentages, but um, Traylon Burks only was on, on the field for 36.9% of the snaps. That, that's a little concerning. Now, I didn't watch the game. I haven't watched it yet. Um, and I don't know the the reason the context but that is concerning to me but rookie wide receivers uh, especially like given the role um that he's in um i wouldn't be surprised if he he starts off a little slow before ramping up but i do think he'll ramp up and i think by the end of the year he's going to be um one of the one of the better rookie wide receivers to have yeah i i definitely agree Uh, it's just going to take some time um he, he can make some ridiculously bonkers plays and just moss some people. And he's a better yak threat than you would expect given his body type. But, um, you know, team big wide receiver has really struggled in um, recent years to 
find immediate production as rookies. So might take a second, but that's okay. I am not moving off of him at all and, and think uh, really the uh, target market share probably flips between him and Kyle Phillips when it's all said and done, you know, and, and we yeah, can see yeah. that kind of that because the team wants that to be the case. They want him to be the guy. Uh, so, yes, I, I was really surprised to see his snap percentage as low as it was because the Titans really obviously still trust Nick Westbrook Akina to have a decent snap share. Uh, they like to get uh, Robert Woods involved at a high rate. And Kyle Phillips was like the go-to guy for most of the game. And so uh, when they had uh, apparently four guys that they really trust and they still don't run a super high percentage of uh, 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field, it's it's better than it was before. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a team that still likes to run some 12 personnel, uh, you know, with two tight ends instead of two, uh, you know, three plus wide receivers, it's tough for a rookie wide receiver to have a high snap share. So I think that will change over the course of the year. We see much more uh, 11 personnel that involves Robert Woods, Kyle Phillips, and Traylon Brooks on the field and less of Nick Westbrook Akina. But um, yeah, it might just take a few weeks. So don't panic with Traylon Brooks. Give it some time. But I think the talent is still, still very much there. Uh, but I am, I am kind of disappointed that he didn't have more volume right away just because you want to see that out of your first round picks uh, for any team. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, How did you feel about um, Drake London? Um, Really excited about him because for the teams where I do have him, I kind of feel like, man, okay, that's cool. You're an every week starter now because uh, in terms of his receiving uh, target market share, um, you know, the overall volume of that offense wasn't uh, perfect, but for him to show up and have 12.4, a 12.4 PPR in his first week on seven targets, five catches, uh, he, he had 21% of his targets on the team. So there's uh, the only player that had more among rookies in terms of target share was Kyle Phillips that we just mentioned. So he's got the first round capital. He's got the belief of his team already in high snap share, high target share, um, everything you want to see right away uh so i think i'm believing that he's an immediate every week flex that you basically can't bench unless you're really really deep at the wide receiver position and that might be the case he might be the only one where i feel that confident and immediately that it's that one is gonna that it's already there and it's gonna stay that way and uh and you can believe long term right from the get-go so he is really making a good a good impression to the point that which he might actually be the wide receiver one overall in this class uh, should maybe be considered that right now. Would you make, would you recommend I make moves in my fantasy leagues with that mindset? I would actually, you know, cause like I was team Garrett Wilson and I still am, I think long-term with him, but uh, it's going to be really disappointing uh, for most of this year. And if you are in a competitive spot, this year and you just so also happen to have Garrett Wilson instead of Drake London. Um, you know, I, I would be okay doing Garrett Wilson plus to get Drake London, even if it seems short-sighted because I believe in both of their talents, they're very different right. receivers, but I still believe they'll both have immense success. And London, if you're in a competitive spot right away, uh, gives you an immediate starter. So that. A trustworthy starter. So yes, I absolutely would encourage you to make moves now uh, because it might be that this is the lowest he'll ever be right. at, like, for the next four or five years because yes, rookie wide receivers are expensive, but not as expensive as they are if they absolutely go off in year one. So get him before he gets super hot. Yeah. Do you think now Calvin Ridley comes back next year, Kyle Pitts, another year long Drake London, and then we've got maybe a, a a Bryce Young type. That could be a pretty fun offense. Yeah, Just exactly. And so I, I think, and Kyle Pitts had a down week as well, but still very much involved uh, in terms of opportunity. And so I think he, uh, having Kyle Pitts and Drake London, uh, and they actually kind of are similar athletes and yeah. win in similar ways, even though they're at, technically different positions although they kind of aren't <laughs> like right. they're, they're just monsters who are faster than they should be and more agile than they should be at their size uh that's that's a fun set of targets right there so yes drake london 
I think we probably need to pivot and just believe that right now he could be the wide receiver one in the class if he wasn't already for you. Yeah, you you mentioned Garrett Wilson. I'd like to kind of pair the Ohio State guys together, um, if that's okay with you. You can kind yeah, of go in, in in any direction, but they kind of had uh, a similar similar production. And so obviously uh, we're talking Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um, Landry went off for New Orleans. Michael Thomas went off for New Orleans. Uh, Chris Olave, I mean, he was only targeted three times. He did haul all three of them in for 41 yards. Uh, I think we were hoping maybe that he would be more of the deep threat, but um, I didn't catch a whole lot of this game. I was on a secondary screen. Um, but it, every time I saw Jameis Winston, he he was not YOLOing it like like I might want to see uh, for some deep targets for Olave. So what do you think of uh, Wilson and Olave uh, this week? And then, of course, moving forward. Uh, clearly, it looked like he trusted all three of those receivers, though. Like My- Michael Thomas, super proven. Jarvis Landry, super proven. Chris Olave, uh, they wanted to get him involved as well. Clearly, had had a high snap percentage for a rookie. And, uh, you know, three targets isn't crazy, but um, he's a super efficient guy. Like, he was a super efficient guy uh, at Ohio State, and he's going to be that way in the NFL as well. So, I think he'll get more deep involvement when they really want to air it out or maybe when they have to air it out in that regard. So, I I mean, Garrett Wilson had more than double the targets. Uh, so, I think it's safe to say Garrett Wilson is probably the safer option right away just because of the competition surrounding him for targets but Chris Olave I think long term is going to be the guy because uh, Landry and Michael Thomas should are probably both on the, the back nine of their career so right. in a year or two at most long term Chris Olave is still very much a high high highly rated uh, wide receiver and overall rookie in this class so I'm not going to panic with him either three targets that's disappointing but uh, we know what his his ceiling could look like yeah. And uh, how do you think um, when Zach Wilson comes back for the Jets, what do you think that will mean for Garrett Wilson? Um, do you think Joe Flacco, uh, do you think it's a scheme thing that he targeted Brace Hall um, so much? Or do you think it's a Flacco thing and, and Wilson might actually uh, look for his wide receivers even more? That's that's just an I don't know thing. I really don't yeah. know what it's going to look like because, I mean, Yes, it's. I mean, it's probably Wilson's probably not going to be captain checkdown like Flacco is necessarily uh, as hard, but uh, I think that, and I don't think it's sustainable to expect Brees Hall to have ten targets. But I also don't think it's super sustainable to expect Garrett Wilson to be on pace for 130 plus targets as a rookie either. So I think they probably just won't toss it 60 times a game, <laughs> and that'll chill out. Right, and uh, right. we could see somewhere between six and eight targets a game for Garrett Wilson. And probably more like five or six for Brees Hall rather than ten. Uh, so, but still plenty of targets going the running running back position uh, positions direction in, yeah. in, in New York because they're having to play that catch up and do a bunch of checkdowns just to you know because that's that's what teams are giving them in junk time. Right. Um, Christian Watson almost had a crazy touchdown. Um, he ran right by the defender. And then yeah. just, it went right between. And so at that point, um, I don't know if he got very many targets after that. Um, he only saw, I mean, he only saw four targets on the day anyway. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is not the most pleasant human. Um, and I imagine being in the doghouse with him in a game like that, uh, not a happy man. So uh Am I reading too much into that? Or do you think we need to be uh, nervous about Watson? Or are you just nervous for other reasons? I mean, he was, as a recruit, he was just more expensive. Uh, not a recruit, as a prospect. And even in rookie drafts, he was just a way more expensive Marquez Valdez-Scantling to begin with. Like virtually the exact same uh, measurables and very similar athleticism and straight line speed. Both had drop issues coming out of college except Christian Watson actually just played much crappier competition than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And for some reason, uh, somehow he was a second round talent, which never made sense uh, at all. Um, but, you know, he, he did get open. So bravo. Um, you know, maybe he uh, garners some 
uh, you know, second and third tries and more targets from Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers as the season progresses. That probably is the case. He's, he's in a great situation to succeed and that he has like no legitimate competition surrounding him. But uh, to only have four targets and a colossal drop is not a great start. So I'm not necessarily looking to sell off of him if I do have him. And I do because in a couple spots, he was like the only not taken player in a college to get in draft. And so I just happened to luck into him uh, via capital. And so and that's great. But I'm not a believer long term. So I'd be actually waiting for kind of a, a bigger game here and there where he actually does connect on that deep target that he's probably going to get. And then I would go fishing to see who, what I could get mm. for him if I did have him because he was athletic. Congratulations. You're athletic enough to play in the NFL, uh, but you're still very raw. And people that from a film perspective would definitely agree. He is not super crisp as a route runner. Um, the upside is just there and the traits were there. And so that's why team traits uh, got all super reachy when it came to him. But I'm selling if he does much at all. Yeah. Uh, what about his teammate, uh, Romeo uh, Dubs? I know we yeah, always I'm going to call him Dubs forever. I don't even care if it is Dubs. He's Dubs yeah. for me. I but mean, like this. He, is... he, he had five touches. He hauled in um, four receptions on five targets and, and had a rush um, as well. Um, pretty involved. What do you think here? Do you think, um, do you think he's the kind of wide receiver to own? Uh, in Green Bay from the rookie perspective or even just think, in general? Sure. Why not? I don't think any receiver for Green Bay is going to have more than 800 receiving yards in the year. We're just going to have a bunch of guys that are splashy here and there and have five to six targets and are all super frustrating to try to start uh, at any given time. And uh, the running backs with uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, they'll, they'll get a bunch of target work and um, it'll just be a mess of an offense to try, try to figure out this year. So, yeah, and Dobbs and Watson will be more expensive than they should be because they're rookies with Aaron Rodgers, uh, even though Aaron Rodgers is super old at this point. Uh, so I, I am, you know, and maybe he stays elite for a few more years, but maybe he doesn't. And n- neither of these guys really work out to be anything. I think that's that's in the cards. Uh, Dobbs, though, uh, it's really good to see him exceed expectations given his draft capital. Um, and I was a fan uh, in Nevada, but that was an odd scheme in terms of how they had their players get open. And so I was always a little bit questionable with, with Dobbs, but understood he could work the deeper portion of the route tree uh, on the perimeter. Uh, so honestly, I, I think for a long time I had hit, had him rated higher than Watson. And even now I would probably bet on him instead of Watson to be the guy that actually sticks, if anyone does, for really any fantasy football upside. Yeah, and um, even just to your point regarding Green Bay, um, if you look at last year's numbers, Devontae Adams had 169 targets. Um, Lazard and uh, MVS were at 60 and 55. Like He was just looking for him, and everyone else was just kind of getting the leftovers, and and now it might just be leftovers, and no one's getting uh, much of anything. Yeah, it just should be a lot of guys. They're, they're just going to spend most of the season figuring out who the heck they can even throw the ball to, which is frustrating as a Packers fan. It's frustrating as a fantasy manager. It's just frustrating for everyone involved, I think, probably. So maybe one of them emerges. If I'm betting on anybody, it is Dobbs. Uh, maybe Lazard, uh, but it's not Watson. Uh, that's that's not my bet. Yeah. Um, Sky Moore, we should talk about him. Disappointing. <laughs> Week one, I don't, I mean, I wasn't listening with volume for the whole game tonight. Um, I don't mm-hmm. remember him doing anything in tonight's game. Um, nope. So he's two weeks now and we haven't seen much. And I think people, uh, even people who had like high hopes for him, uh, myself included, knew it would be a slow start. I don't think I was expecting it to be this slow of a start. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I'm just, I keep waiting for the team to realize uh, that Miko Hardman still hasn't figured out how to play the wide receiver position. And he, and <laughs> I saw maybe the chiefs finally figured out and realized that they should stop trying to give like really gadgety touches to Miko Hardman on third downs. Like they did early in the game tonight. It's just really bizarre <laughs> decision-making. I mean, back in the day, I remember 
people were excited about Hardman because he went to Georgia. He had a, all this pedigree, but he was like a converted, like he, he was quarterback and defensive back and like wide receiver was like his third position. You know, he, he was like just figuring it out at, at Georgia. I made a, a few big plays and, and key moments, including playoff games for Georgia. And so um, there was just this hop, this, this hype train that just was inexplicably just there. Like it was just, it didn't make, it never made any sense. He was an athlete. He was an NFL athlete, but he was never a wide receiver. And that is still the case at this point in Miko Hardman's career. And yeah. so, um, man, figure it out that that's just a waste. I mean, maybe they're, they're trying to do right by him, giving the veteran veteran every opportunity to prove that he's still that guy. But, but geez, the guy that they reached for in hopes that he would be, you know, the Tyreek Hill replacement, I guess three years ago at this point, four, I don't know. Like just, that's clearly not happening. So stop trying to make fetch happen because it's not going to happen. So yeah. Yeah. And it, more. It'll it, happen at some point this year because Hardman has failed spectacularly every time he's been given a real opportunity. And I think this is his fourth season, but um, no, the Chiefs, they are a very confusing team to me. Like, I don't understand why Sony Michelle was getting so much work today, or maybe it just felt like so much work because anytime Sony Michelle touches the ball, it feels like it's one too many times. Oh wait, no, that was Los Angeles. Never Chargers. mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> getting mixed up. But, but I was confused about that as well. No, Kansas city though. Um, like we said, like using McKinnon, a bunch of the goal line. Um, anyway, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, Sky Moore, I don't know if if he was even active tonight because like he has zero targets. Um, I don't even know. Uh, but disappointing uh, for sure. Um, Alec Pierce, uh, he put up a, a big goose egg as well. He was targeted three times. Um, he was someone that uh, I was not expecting a whole lot because uh, Michael Pittman exists. Uh, but I was hoping for maybe some secondary, um, some some secondary love, maybe something that he could work uh, his way into. But um, Definitely not encouraging after week one. You know, it's funny. It's like we, he had like the, I don't know, not the worst, but almost the worst adjusted production profile uh, for any day two, day three, like any, any drafted wide receiver. He had one of the worst profiles. Like he, again, athlete, NFL athlete deserves to be on a roster. He'll stick and, and be on a team for five, six, seven years, but he is never, ever going to be fantasy viable. And um, we see this time and time again with his particular archetype at the position. Uh, get the guys that have his kind of profile at his level of play do not hit, period. And so, um, yeah, I'm not expecting it to happen at, at any point in time. Uh, I know it's just one week, but uh, he was never a good bet at all. Dude, I think we're lagging out. You still there? Hey, I am now. Okay. Did you hear where I landed with Pierce? Nope. You, he's just is the last thing I heard. Just about 10 seconds. Okay. Well, anyway, I was basically saying he's never, he was never a safe bet to hit at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I have a couple of shares of Alec Pierce, uh, because I had, um, again, best, best available option at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean that we're, we're hopeful or expectant. Um, I know you and I talked about this before the show. I don't think we've talked about him during the show. Uh, we're bearing the lead with the uh, number one rookie wide receiver on the week up against, I'm wearing the hat because I'm a glutton for punishment, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but Jahan Dotson, um, looks really, really good. He has some really had an amazing touchdown catch, um, Really solid, really solid performance. Yeah, so Jahan Dotson was one of my favorites in the class for a long time. At, at one point, I had him as my eighth overall rookie. Uh, some of the road of his guys talked me off that ledge. Wish they, wish I hadn't let them do that because uh, two touchdowns in his first game, uh, leading all rookies in PPR, had 18 points out of the gate. Yes, it was only on uh, six total opportunities, um, five total targets. But uh, four receptions and your first action with a couple scores is fantastic. 
Uh, they don't have a bunch of prov- proven guys. And in fact, they the ones that they have kind of look similar. Like Terry, Terry McCorin wins in similar fashion to Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel is that weird hybrid. Like they're basically playing him in his college role that he played in, at Ohio State. Like this hybrid halfback wide receiver mess. And that's cool. But that doesn't really threaten the role that Jahan Dotson has. So he's immediately at least the wide receiver two on the team, which is fantastic for um, any kind of top end pri- like priority targets right away. So uh, not a huge uh, receiving yard like target market share right out right out the gates. But um, I think somebody that, that that sticks and produces right away. And I've already tried to. Uh, buy high for now this week in a couple spots expecting him to have a few more uh given games that he where he does go off because i definitely want to make sure he's on my team uh my teams that i haven't actually drafted him on i had uh, a few debbie shares that we, he was already locked in so he was already on my team but i was i was only actually able to get him in one other rookie spot this year which is di- really disappointing so i am i am definitely betting on him despite him being an under undersized guy um uh, he had the production profile, and he had it pretty early. Uh, so, I uh, not—he's not a true freshman breakout guy, but uh, that's not typically how Penn State operates. Uh, they kind right. of pass the torch along to the—they uh, at least under James Franklin. That's that's just how it goes. Hey, oh, can, oh, you're, can you're someone like, tell Parker please. Washington that, please? Yeah, yeah. my yeah. my Parker Washington shares would like the uh, torch to be passed now. But yeah, I yeah. think that I think that might be a Sean Clifford problem, but. Seriously, though, John Dotson, first round pick, has the capital, has awesome athleticism and just a strange build that allows him to have success uh, where you wouldn't necessarily expect it. So really fun, really fun just to see. I mean, like that's that's a great place to end on with with wide receivers because he was he was fantastic. And uh, I would buy high per se, you know, like that's probably what it might be get get labeled as right now. But I think it's he's still worth in terms of market value much less than he's going to be a year or two from now. So yeah, definitely yeah. worth going and acquiring right now for, uh, you know, maybe a, a late 2023 first, even I know those are like gold at this point, but I don't mind getting somebody who already has the first round capital and the opportunity immediately. Yeah. And already has some production. <laughs> like, uh, yep. me call well, Hardman yeah. wishes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. But I mean, we, we can kind of wrap it up with the tight ends here. Not much to say. We kind of knew this was a lack of an alpha kind of class, which is disappointing when you come out of a year where you have Kyle Pitts as the tight end one. Uh, this year, uh, Trey McBride was kind of the consensus tight end one. And a few other guys that were kind of in the mix. Um, you know, a few guys with like higher target, sh- like not target shares, but snap shares in week one. Like even, even though he wasn't targeted, Jelani Woods had a high, high, um, you know, snap share. And so, you know, promising to see guys getting on the field and maybe they'll work into roles, but man, there was like only three tight ends among all the rookies that even had a target. So that's, I, I cannot remember a, a time when all of the rookie tight ends collectively, you know, <laughs> there were only three of them that had targets and that's Isaiah likely Shig Akonkwo and Armani Rogers, who by the way, was actually a quarterback. Uh, when he started his college career at UNLV, a really fun dual threat quarterback, but did the whole quarterback to tight end conversion because just size wise, that makes sense. So oh, he, but he just kind of followed in Tim Tebow's footsteps. Following in <laughs> actually his teammates' footsteps. He's following in uh, Logan Thomas's footsteps because Logan I Thomas, just, is, yeah, you know, on his team was a, was a quarterback converted to tight end and is broken all the time. So maybe uh, Armani Rogers comes out of nowhere and actually does something. I haven't looked at really closely at his uh, snap share, but it was it was funny. I was like, "Wait, Amari Rogers had a catch this week? That quarterback? Like, well, I, I I didn't even know what his positional designation was when I was That's looking funny. at his stats because uh, like because really in college he converted. He was like a quarterback, and then they kind of converted him running back, and then he was like transferred, and it was it, he was like everything. Uh, kind of like Keaton Thompson for for uh, for Virginia. Like he's played right. literally every, every offensive skill position. I have no idea where he's going to land in the pros. That kind of one of those situations. So uh, just a really long shot name, but was a really fun college athlete. Armani. I mean, first off, your name's Armani. Armani Rogers could be the the heir apparent to 
an always broken Logan Thomas. That would be that would be kind of fun for the Commanders oh. if that actually worked out for him uh, long term. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dulcich is another guy who didn't get any playtime because of injury. Um, yep. And injury. Uh, I think we were all talking about, well, we all, Twitter was talking about, oh, Andrew Beck was the tight end we were supposed to uh, go for. But yes, he had three targets, but he also only ran three routes. That's crazy. He ran three routes and, and, and earned a target on each of those routes. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's crazy. Um, Isaiah Likely, um, yeah, with Mark Andrews there. Uh, sorry, that's super capped, man. Like that's just not gonna be a thing. Uh, hate to say it, but Jacob Conquo, the Titans uh, tight end, having uh, some real um, snap work all early on and getting a couple targets. Uh, he could be what we wanted um, Janu to be. You know, I think he could work into that role. He's very similar from a body type and athleticism standpoint. He uh, can play that move role, but he can be in line. So Chick Akonkwo uh, out of Maryland, I think he's somebody to to definitely um, start adjusting quickly to his value and, and expect his role to grow um, in a class of tight ends that was just underwhelming, to say the least. I think he could be somebody who rises up pretty quickly in value. Yeah, because uh, the other guys there are Austin Hooper is there now and yeah, Jeff, Jeff Swain, Swain, Rear, Swain, yeah, King tight end, you know. So it's, the, the, the there's, there's a there's there's room for him, <laughs> like absolutely room for him to grow into more of a role there. So I, I expect him to do so, if not this year, by next year in a big way. So he's somebody with crazy ball skills that just didn't blow up in a huge way for Maryland because they had other wide receivers they were targeting. But there were a few games in college where like, holy cow, that wasn't Raheem Jarrett. That wasn't Dante Demas. That wasn't their wide receiver that we're supposed to get excited about. That was a tight end going up and making a leaping one-hand grab. Uh, so the athleticism and ball skills are there with the Conquo. So I really want to see him given an opportunity with the Titans. And who knows? Could be the best tight end in this class one day. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's sad. Sometimes it's sad. I know. I think I think when some of these guys get healthy and get back out there, like, um, yeah, the big three and like Otten and Dulcich and uh, McBride, um, and I said this in reverse order for some way, for some reason, um, I think it could be really cool. But that's a lot of talk, man. Who do you think, um, who do you think uh, could be, if you were to call it out right now, the biggest riser after – um, week two is done. Is there someone that you're kind of expecting to see uh, a, a jump from, or maybe another consistent week from someone that was maybe an outlier, maybe a Kyle Phillips, for example, if he has another big week, is there anyone that you're kind of um, making sure you uh, try to get some eyes on to see what they do? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, somebody who, I mean, uh, Kyle Phillips, it would be interesting to see his targets in week two. If it's, if after two weeks, he's, oh, he had 10 week one, eight week two, this could be a real thing with Kyle Phillips. But Jahan Dotson, he goes from seeing, you know, only four receptions and two touchdowns to actually grabbing like seven receptions. And, uh, you know, like somebody like that it could move up into like the wide receiver two discussion overall right behind like a Drake London, really in the mix with guys that we were higher on, or at least the consensus was higher on. Uh, but George Pickens, we didn't really mention him. I'd love to see him get more, oh, of, a, right. yeah. more of an opportunity. Only had like, you know, I guess four targets. Depends on your source, like Sports Info Solutions, which is like what a bunch of the teams actually use, says that he actually had four targets, only one catch, but he could definitely work into a larger role too. And that so, was a really unusual game against Cincinnati. Like there was, yeah. it was a weird game, defensive scores, like so many turnovers. Um, game I, I think really be different, and, and yeah. he could have seven plus targets in week two, and that would be huge for his value, Maybe, especially given the hype train that he was generating yeah. in the offseason. So it's. He probably isn't someone you can buy low on yet. People aren't probably no. budging after one. But week. if he has another down week, I would I would start fishing for that too. So, but yeah, that's probably all the time we got. It's already been an hour on the, all these rookies. But man, it's Love it. it's tons to sift through. Um, and there is uh, hope for the the running backs at the top. There is hope that uh, this could actually be a pretty deep wide receiver class. Quarterbacks, we just have to you know be patient. But we'll see. 
Yeah, uh, Ken Walker, 120-yard breakout performance coming up this weekend. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> you keep hoping for that, man. You, you keep hoping. I don't know. I don't know. I was really bummed that they beat Denver. That was such a kick in the teeth. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Oh. Hey, bring us home. Yeah, man, this was great. Um, please, everyone, take a second. If you're still listening now, you're obviously, um, well, amazing. Uh, take a second, rate and review the podcast. Um, it does mean a lot. Obviously, you're already following and subscribing, so that's awesome. Um, if you guys have any questions, hit us up in um, on Twitter. Uh, again, um, you can find me on Twitter at StayFunLaco and FF underscore. I always forget what it is. What is it? Travis M. Yeah, Travis M. Yeah. So hit us up. Uh, we love having some dialogue uh, there as well. Um, and man, just enjoy some football this weekend. We've got some great games. Um, I'm excited for uh, tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening to it uh, right away. We've got um, Florida State against Louisville. Let's go. I'm excited. Uh, football is just such a such a fun time of year, man. Um, and we're learning a lot of our um, seeing which ones of our thoughts are, are coming to fruition and where we were kind of way off base. It's always a good time. Um, so thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you guys next week. We'll do a college focus episode then. Uh, thank you all so much for listening and talk to you soon.